0: I have enjoyed the service and the singing, and I am so honored to be here today. I never dreamed, being raised in the mountains of western North Carolina, that God would ever let me preach the gospel in South America, (laughs) (laughs) but here I am, and uh, I'm very thankful, and I'm honored to be here, and I mean that from the depth of my heart, I'm very thankful thankful to be here and I'm very honored. Brother Wampler and his family, they are my friends and um, you have a special man and family and I think from what I've heard already that you already know that as your pastor. I have known this family for, I don't know when they got married, but I've known Brother Wampler I guess for 25 years or more and um, I've never known them to do, uh, they've always stood for what's right and uh, I'm very thankful for that. We talked together for over 10 years in Bible Institute. Uh, we participated in camp meeting together for a long time. I tried to think about how long, and I'm not sure. Um, Brother Wampler is a Bible student, and uh, I love these this family tremendously, and I thank God for them. And you folks have went to a lot of trouble today and expense uh, to bring me and my family here and uh, to give this family a special day and I believe God's going to bless you for that and honor you for that and um, it says a lot about you that, that you would honor your pastor and go to this kind of trouble and effort uh, to honor him today and so I, I, I thank God for that and I appreciate that so much. It says a lot. I'm not much of a talker. Uh, so I'm going to get back, get to preaching today. I look forward to hearing Brother Wamper preach in a few minutes because the Brother Amendigo said that he was looking forward to some good preaching. So um, I'm going to give you what I got, and then we'll hear some good preaching, I guess, when I get done. <laughs> in kind of a serious way, I really have prayed over this service and asked the Lord uh, what he would have me to preach today. And I said, Lord... Please give me something to help these people in Louisiana. They live so far in the middle of nowhere. They believe tigers live in the bayou. And they don't even know that Death Valley's in South Carolina. So I really have a burden for you people. I told my wife this morning, I said I was going to say that, but I'm not. But when I saw. That stain y'all had on the chair over here a minute ago. I said, I'm going to let them have it. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to get some of the buzzards to, to land, all right? They were butterflies when I left South Carolina, but now they're buzzards. Amen. I want you to turn in your Bible with me to Romans chapter 15 today. Romans chapter 15. I really do believe that I have a, a, a message from the Lord for you today, and really for all of us. Romans chapter 15. I want us to go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and then I'll read our text and uh, try to bring the message that I feel like the Lord's put on my heart for this time together. So let's pray if we could. Father, I bow before you, thankful for this day. I'm so honored, Lord, that you would even allow me to be a part of this special day in this church. Among people that I don't even know, but yet we have a kindred spirit. And I thank you, Lord, for feeling at home here this morning. I pray that you would help me now, Lord, uh, to put everything else out of my mind, that I'd be a vessel that's fit for your use today. And I pray you would empower me to preach this message to these people. And Lord, not only would you speak to me, but would you speak through me and to every heart in the building. Now, Lord, may our minds be gathered in and set upon you. May our hearts be open to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And I pray, God, your will would be accomplished in the furtherance of this service today. Who knows, Lord, what you might want to do in this church this morning. And Lord, I pray that we'd all be open to that. If there's one here that's lost, I pray you'd speak to them and save them before it's too late. And I just ask you that your will would be accomplished. And that you be glorified in all that's said and done. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 15, I want to begin reading in verse number 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but, as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation Grant you to be like-minded, one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'll remind you that chapter 14 is dealing with how we ought to, uh, or how we ought not to do anything that could cause a weaker brother to fall, to stumble. And we, when we put ourselves first, that is obviously selfishness. So we ought to be careful about uh, putting ourselves first. Then verse 2 teaches us that we ought to do that which is beneficial to other people rather than living a selfish life only to benefit ourselves. And then as we move into verse number 3, he begins to give us the example of what he has just told us in verses 1 and 2, and that example is the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, for even Christ, please not himself. Now, if you think about that statement, Christ is the great example of us living for others rather than for ourselves. Now, the statement that is given here is from his human perspective. I don't know how else to say that, but I believe that we see a glimpse of this statement here in Matthew 26:39, and it says, "And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, "O oh, my Father, if it be possible let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, not that which would be pleasing to me or, or displeasing to me, if you will." But he said, but as thou wilt. Now, the Lord was pleased to do the will of God, but from a a human perspective, Christ uh, didn't please himself in that sense. Christ gave his all for others. He didn't please the flesh, he pleased the Father. Then he says, and just hang on with me a few minutes, I'm going somewhere. He makes this statement in verse 3, "...the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me." That is a quote from Psalm 69. And this statement in this text is used as a reference to Christ. And I... I'm going to give you my best shot at this and, and tell you what I believe that he is saying here. I basically believe that it means that men had, had reproached God. And reproach means to charge with a fault in severe language. It means to attribute blame to, to allege something disgraceful against, to charge with a fault to censure severely or contemptuously and so on and so forth. So men had lived wicked; they had forsaken God's law; they had defamed Him; they had denied Him. And I really could say that we have been guilty of that. And they, in turn, or we, in turn, men, in turn, w- deserved reproach. We deserved to be charged with a fault. And we were sinners and deserved to be charged with our crimes. We deserved the judgment of God to fall on us. But Christ took those reproaches and he went to Calvary and he bore the sin of the world upon himself and he was willing to suffer that which we deserved. Even those, and this is going to be important in a little while, even those who had reproached him as God, he was God. Even those who had reproached him as God, he bore their sins on Calvary. I believe that's what it's talking about. And I am glad that my reproach fell on Christ. I'm glad that I was not charged with my crimes. I'm glad that He took that on Calvary for me this morning. And the lesson here is if He denied Himself for others and suffered, we ought to be willing to do the same. Now notice verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, and he had just quoted out of the Old Testament now, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Uh, and so he quoted from the Old Testament, and he is letting us know that those, even those Old Testament Scriptures were written for our learning, for our benefit along the way. Then look in verse 5, and this is where I want to get to. Now he says, Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Let me look at that verse, uh, that phrase, the God of patience to begin with. One writer said, It's the God who is himself long suffering, who bears patiently with the errors and faults of his children and who can give patience may he give of you his spirit that you may bear patiently the infirmities and errors of each other God grants us to be patient in our trials now I want you to think about the God of patience aren't you glad that God is patient He endures, He is constant, He he stays with it. And I'd have to say this morning that He has had to endure a lot with me along the way. I'm glad He's patient in that way. Through my ups and my downs, God has been consistent. He has has endured uh, even my downs uh, and my inconsistencies along the way. He's been patient with me. And honestly, if I was Him, I'd have done away with me a long time ago. But I'm glad He wasn't that way. Not only has he through it all He stayed with me, but He has stayed for me. And there's times when I've been, been ugly. There's times when I'm sure I broke His heart. There's times when I, I know I've done wrong. But I'm glad that through all of those things, as I said, not only has He stayed with me, uh, but He has has been for me. He has been very patient along the way with me. Then He not only is the God of patience, but He's the God of consolation. That's actually the same word as comfort in verse number 4. And He is the one who exhorts us and instructs us and encourages us and comforts us. And along the way of life, when I felt like quitting, He would exhort me uh, to go another mile. When I didn't know what to do, He would give me instructions. When I was discouraged, He gave me encouragement. When I was afraid, He comforted me. I mean, He's just been my consolation all through the Years. not only has he been very patient with me, but he's also been my consolation. Oh, listen, he's not only the God of patience, but he's the God of consolation. He doesn't just put up with me and endure me, he helps me. Isn't that awesome? Think how many times that we have failed the Lord. How many times I've had a bad attitude. How many times I've said things I shouldn't say and done things I shouldn't have done and broke the heart of God. And listen, I, I've been pastoring in a few days, literally October 1st, I will have been pastoring 27 years and yet I still say things sometimes I shouldn't say and do things I shouldn't do. God is still patient with me and puts up with me and yet He still helps me along the way. And seems like sometimes when I deserve it the least he blesses me the most makes me feel like a dog you know what I mean when I say that I mean I know I don't deserve it he blesses me anyway it makes me feel about that high makes me crawl before him and say oh God I'm sorry but thank you for being patient with me and thank you for comforting me and thank you for helping me along the way even when I didn't deserve it God's been good to us all. Don't you wish everybody was like that? Hello? You know, the old man that's that's still alive in you, he's not like that. I don't know how you people are down here, but like I said, I was raised in the mountains of North Carolina, and we're not like that. Not by nature, unfortunately. Instead of consoling them, I want to say, I told you so. Hello? Instead of being patient with them, I want to get them around the goozle. Y'all know what the goozle is, right? You say, you just come down here and tell us all your faults. No, I want to tell you about a God that's patient with me in spite of my faults. And I, I'm confessing to you that's not Christ-like. There's some people that I don't have a lot of patience with. And there's some things that I don't have a lot of patience over. And I'm getting more and more tired of those things. And it seems like my patience sometimes gets shorter and shorter with these things and these people. And I'm going to tell you something else. As I said, it's not Christ-like, but through the years, not only in my life, but in all of our lives, uh, not being Christ-like instead of in bearing the infirmities of the weak, many times I just want to please myself and do something about it. And that's caused a lot of hurt in the home. That's caused a lot of damage in lives. And it has damaged the church. And really it's damaged all of our society because people want to please themselves instead of trying to do something for somebody else. Think about this. Really, I believe Paul is writing this, this text of Scripture under the inspiration of God. He knew the danger that's here. Really, sin stems from selfishness. If I steal something for you, it's because I think I need it more than you do. Right? You think about Eve in the Garden of Eden. Think about what it says. She saw that it was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and it was something that desired to be to make one wise. That's selfishness. Satan didn't say, I want you to bow down and worship me. He said, I just want you to please yourself. And that same tactic is still working even in the church in this day and hour. Too many people are interested in pleasing themselves rather than trying to please God. Well, you say, what does that have to do with pastor appreciation? Not a whole lot yet, but I want you to notice now in verse 5. Now the God of patience and consolation, I want you to notice what he said here, grant you. To be like minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. You know what Paul's prayer is here? I would just want to say to start with Paul's prayer, I believe, is is the preacher's prayer. Paul's desire in this text, God's desire. Paul, The way this is worded, it's as if Paul is saying, may God, or I'm praying that God would grant something to you. You know what grant means? It means to give it to you. I'm asking God to give you something. And as a man with some pastoral experience and I don't know it all but I do know this in my heart one of my prayers one of my desires is that God would grant me and all of my people this prayer I want you to help me investigate this just a minute. I want you to help me look at this just a minute. You know what he's asking? He's asking the God of patience and consolation to give them something. Notice what he says here. That he might grant you to be. I was just, I didn't even see this much uh, earlier, but this morning I was meditating on that. Grant you to be, and that phrase to be stood out to me. I want to ask you a question now. If you were to ask God to grant you to be something, what would it be? If you would ask God to grant you to be, or maybe if you're praying for your children, maybe you're asking God to let them, to, I'm praying that you would give them or grant them to be, what would it be? A doctor? A lawyer? An LSU football player? You might even be praying for them to start for Clemson, I don't know. I don't want to grieve the Lord. Better be careful, Hatner. What is your heart's desire to be today? As a pastor, as a church people, as a family, what do you desire your children to be? When you go before God and you say, Oh God, grant me to be, what comes after that? That's a serious question. He said that, I'm praying, the preacher's prayer is that the God of patience and consolation would grant you to be like-minded one toward another. Like-minded, I believe, is to, to, to have a mind like what we've just read about. To have a mind like Christ has. Paul desired the same thing for the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1.10. He said, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment." I wonder what it would be like in the days to come if everybody at Fundamental Baptist Church from the pastor all the way through all of the pews that you would be perfectly joined together in your mind, that you would be like-minded as Paul would say. I wonder what kind of heights you could reach. I wonder what you could do for the glory of God in the days and years to come if He would just grant you that. Think about it. The mind of Christ. And then He said one toward another. You see, God gives us the ability to have right thinking and the right attitude toward each other. I was reminded as I was sitting there just a few minutes ago and somebody was standing here. I don't know your name yet. You'll have to forgive me. Somebody was standing here a few minutes ago and talking about the burden for the lost. And it sounds to me like this church collectively as a whole has the right mindset toward the lost. That's wonderful. I, that's a blessing. You don't see that everywhere you go. That your mind would be uh, joined perfectly joined together to reach a lost and dying world for Christ. But there is something that is talked about in this text. I believe that you can have the right mindset toward the lost and still not have it for each other. How is that possible? Because sometimes when the lost do things to you, you know what you do? You say, well, they're just lost. Yeah, that's right. But when the preacher does it, or the, one of the church members do it, or somebody that sits on the pew behind you does it, you say, they're not lost. What they, do, they need, they need to, somebody to get them around the goozle. Come on. <laughs> Hello? Are you with me this morning? Sometimes we're a whole lot pa- more patient with the world Than we are with our people. Is that not true? I know that's true in my own family. I'm a whole lot more patient with people outside my family than I am inside my family. Hello? Because I say to myself, my family ought to know better. Then people out there, they don't know any better. That's the kind of attitude sometimes that we have. But I'm glad He, God, knows me intimately and He is patient with me and He consoles me through it all, through all the course of my life in spite of me. Now think about this. In the days to come, your pastor needs the mind of Christ toward you. He doesn't know your whole story personally yet. You may be in a deep valley or some kind of personal tragedy that he doesn't know anything about. He has to take into consideration that you're trying to get used to a new pastor. I don't know what that's like. And he needs God to give him a mind of patience and consolation toward you. And I'm sure that this man and his family is praying for that. But wait a minute. You need that toward your pastor. We need that one toward another. Because as we've already said, and we already know, uh, that I mean, we understand that this man has just moved his family halfway down the country. Do y'all call yourselves Cajuns down here? He's not used to Cajuns. He's used to Engines. In Gaffney, they call themselves the Engines, and they, they are a wild bunch. I'm just simply saying there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of dynamics at play in a congregation such as this, having a new pastor coming in, and and things that may be different than they used to be. Uh, But I'm just saying may God grant you all uh, to be like-minded as Christ would be one toward another to be so patient and to be so consoling with each other. It would be a perfect world inside the church if everybody there had the mind of Christ one toward another. It would do away with the bickering and the backbiting and the jealousy. I mean, it would really cure all the problems inside the church if everybody there just had the mind of Christ. I'm I'm wanting to get ahead of myself so bad. I'm trying to save it for the end but sometimes it's hard. I want you to think about this. There may be some people here and you'd say about each other and I don't detect anything and I don't know anything. I've not talked to Brother Wampler. I don't know anything about what's going on to me. You're on your honeymoon. Everything's wonderful here. You have no problems. You have no bickering. You have no backbiting. You have no division at all in the church far as I know, but I am convinced that God has spoke to my heart about encouraging this church to ask God to grant you to be like-minded with Christ. I'm convinced of that. Think about this with me. Jesus is the ultimate example. We've already looked at that. And you see, they beat him. And they mocked him. And they spit on him. And they crucified him. Has has anything like that ever happened to you? None of us have experienced anything like that. Jesus went through that even from his own brethren. Right? Right? He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But I want you to listen to what Luke said about a scene on the cross. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they parted his raiment and cast lots. Here he was suffering at their hands. Hanging on the cross, and he wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about them. He was not concerned about his hurt, his anguish, his pain, he was concerned about their condition. I'm preaching today about the preacher's prayer that God would grant us all to have that kind of a mindset one toward another. May we not think about our needs and our wants and our hurts but may we think about the thoughts and the hurts of others. Notice what he said now. Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. One writer said, according to the example and spirit of Christ, his was a spirit of peace. You you think about that. I've already done too much confessing already, but you know, when I think about how peaceful Christ was, he came the first time as a lamb. When he comes back the next time, it's going to be on. He's coming back as a lion. But he had a spirit of peace, but too many times I have a spirit of war. Don't you? When they start talking about you and mocking you and taking shots at you and taking shots at your church and and taking shots at your children and your family. I've had that. I've experienced that. I know something about that. It's hard to have that mindset of Christ sometimes. To have that spirit of peace when you want to go to war. May God help us He would grant this unto us. Then I want you to notice what he said in verse 6. That ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. You see the word that, that's a word that signifies a reason. So the question could be asked, why should the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another? And the answer, that we might together with one mind and one mouth glorify God. You see, that's what it's all about. The reason that we ought to desire that God would grant that mindset to us, that we would have that mindset one toward another, not just to a lost and dying world, but to each other inside the church, is that ultimately He might be glorified through all that's said and done. Is that not the ultimate goal? Now let's sit back a minute and think about this. Somebody might say to me, Preacher, I don't see how that's possible. How is it that we could have such a high and holy mindset? And I'll admit it's a tall task. (laughs) It's a big ask. Paul's prayer was that God would grant that. And only God can allow us to have truly that kind of a mindset. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 6. I'm almost done. Turn with me to Acts 6, just a minute. You think, how in the world could a human have such a mindset that Christ had? Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, this is the story of Stephen. In verse number 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Look in verse 11. Then they suborned men which we, uh, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and called him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses which said, This man seetheth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses Moses delivered us, and all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Look in chapter 7. Verses 1 through 53, I'm not going to read all those verses to you, but Stephen has his turn to have his say. And he preaches to them, and he lays it on them, and he, he, he tells them the truth. Then look in verse 54, if you would. When he gets done preaching, the Bible says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, and here's the key, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, In verse 55, he saw. In verse 56, he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Verse 55 says he was full of the Holy Ghost. Verse 56 says he had his eyes on the Lord. And then in verse 60, in the very act of being stoned, he said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. You know what that's an example of? A man who had the mind of Christ. You say, how could a man ever get to a place where they could spit on him, they could whip him, they could crucify him, and he would be thinking about them instead of himself. And here we have an example. He had the mind of Christ. His mind was not on the people that were throwing the rocks as far as himself and how bad those rocks must have hurt. His mind was not on the problems that he was facing. He was thinking about those who were throwing the rocks at him. And this does away with all of those statements like, well preacher, you don't know what they've done to me and you don't know what they've said about me and you don't know how they've hurt me. It does away with all of that. While he was there in the very act of being stoned,
1: full of the Holy
0: Ghost and his eyes on the Lord. He wasn't being selfish. He wasn't saying, poor old me, look what they've done to me. And all I did was tell them the truth. Poor old me, look how bad these rocks hurt me and look what it's doing to me. His mind was like Christ's mind as he looked upon these around him. If God can grant that to Stephen, He can grant it to us. And I'll say again there's no telling what God could do in this place today and in the days to come if every individual would seek to be like minded one toward another. It's the preacher's prayer. And on this day you are showing that you appreciate your pastor, and I believe that of all things, I honest, honest before God, I believe of all things that he could ask for today. And it's wonderful the, the gifts that you've given him and how you've loved on him, but all the things he could ask for today, of all things he could desire, that God would grant him today. Yeah, I believe that this would be at the top of the list that God would grant you all to be like-minded. So much has went through my heart, so much has went through my mind, because you understand that money cannot buy the mind of Christ. It only comes from the Lord. And you can have everything else. you got a man that, that has a head full of knowledge. A smart man, a good man, a godly man, and his family. You've got wonderful singers and wonderful facilities. You've got everything uh, uh, from a worldly perspective that any church could ask for. If you don't have the mind of Christ, you've missed it all. We can't afford in this day to look around and say, man, look how God's blessed us. And He has blessed us. And not say, Lord, grant me that mindset that I would love my brother and I would love my pastor and I would love my people that I'd not think about myself but I would think about somebody else just like Jesus. Even when they're throwing the rocks at me, even when they're hurting me, even when they're attacking my family and my children, even when I feel like they're against me and maybe everybody, I feel like everybody's against me. That we would be so filled with the Spirit and have our eyes fixed so on the Lord that we wouldn't be thinking about ourselves. There's been a statement, and if I'm not mistaken, it was Matthew Henry that that wrote this. I could be wrong. I haven't been able to track it back down. I need to try to see if I can find it. But years ago, I ran across a statement, and I can't remember all of it. That's why I'd like to track it back down, but I remember enough of it that it's helped me. He said that somebody stole something from him whoever it was, and I believe it was Matthew Henry, he said somebody stole something, but he said in, in spite of them stealing, he said there were some things I was thankful for. One of them was that even though he stole what I had, he didn't take my life. I think that was one, or he didn't take anything that couldn't be replaced. That's something to be thankful for. But here's the one that's helped me probably as much as anything else. I think this was last on the list. I wish I could remember them all. But here's what he said. He said, I'm thankful that I wasn't the one doing the stealing. There's been times in my life when people have literally, because they were upset with me, they've done my children wrong. They've hurt them. I've seen them weep and cry and have a broken heart. But you know what I did? I set them down and I said, I know what they said about you, but I'm just thankful that you were on this end of it and not on the other end. I'm just glad they were talking about you and you not talking about them. You think about that. What would it be like If the whole of Fundamental Baptist Church decided God has blessed us beyond measure, now God, would you grant all of us, and there may be many of you that's already there this morning, but I believe that not everybody's there. I don't see any halos out there, and you don't see one up here. I don't know of a church anywhere that has arrived. What? could God do with a church where everybody God had granted to them to be like-minded with Christ? So much to be said. I want to ask you a question now. Are you serious about your church today? Are you serious about your service for God today? Are you serious about your family today? Now that I'm through preaching, I don't know what you would have said a little while ago, but if you were to say, God grant me to be what would follow. I just wonder today, if you're that serious, if there would be anybody in this congregation that would be willing just a moment when we give the invitation to stand to your feet and ask God, maybe come to this altar and bow your head and say, God, would you grant me to be like-minded with Christ? No telling, no telling what God could do with this church. You've got it all. You've got it going in the right direction. I believe God wants you to have the mindset of Christ. I'm done. Let's stand our feet. I don't know how y'all normally give the invitation. Folks are coming. Pianist is coming. Would you mind, God, today? Lord, grant me to be like-minded.